We had a, uh, my son who's eight years old, yesterday we had his birthday party, and you don't know what it's like to party until you get a bunch of eight, nine, seven-year-old boys together, and you're like, a couple weeks ago when me and my wife were talking about it, we wanted to throw him a little party or whichever, and we said, what do you want to do? And he started talking, we, we, we just got this tent because we were going to try to go camping, okay? If you know me, you know that's not quite what I do, and... So we got this tent. We were going to try to go camping here in the next couple of weeks. We do a family vacation. And my wife got this idea, amazing idea, to say, let's put the tent up and let's let the boys stay in the tent. And me, being the awesome, supportive husband that I am, said, let's do it. <laughs> and then you get these young boys into a tent and it gets cold outside and it gets dark and we're in the city and you can hear the doors closing or dogs barking, and it just, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I had a great time with all the boys there just hanging out. Uh, we got a chance, though, to do some tent time where we, we just listened to God, and we prayed about what he wanted to say to us, and they got to draw out what they, what they saw or what they felt God was saying to them. And here are kids, you know, again, six, seven, uh, Emmeline's five. She's drawing on the ground. She's drawn a heart with wings on it because she believes that love flies, and that's how Jesus does it. Um, you've got seven, eight-year-old boys that are putting together pictures that are just talking about the love of Jesus. And I'm just so thankful for not only just my wife who's doing it, but for all you parents and our children, Pastor, uh, Pastor Destiny, and our Sunday school teachers that are doing it day in and day out, and just letting our kids learn of the goodness and grace of God in their lives. And that's what they're able to do. So we, we appreciate them so much. Again, before we continue on, I just give honor to the pastors before me um, that I have so much honor and respect for. Obviously, Pastor Rutson and Ruby Rutson, aren't they absolutely amazing? Let's give them a hand. We honor the Rutsons, the Mincers, Pastor Rich, Pastor Kathy. You guys are, are just so amazing. I am truly honored to run in ministry with you. And as always, our senior pastors, the Hardys, who are not here but on vacation um, down in California. Um, and we're, we're, we're excited for, for them getting the chance to be with family and uh, to be able to see as God works in their life. So, um, so we had the birthday party. If you realize I want to study for what God wants to bring to us on a Sunday morning, I would strongly suggest to you don't throw an eight-year-old birthday party a night before. I was laying, in, well, two nights before, actually, Friday night. I'm laying in a tent, and I'm, laying, I'm talking with these boys. We, we moved the TV out into the tent, okay? That's my type of camping. We're going to move the TV out. I've got to have a TV. I've got to have Netflix. I'm sorry. Uh, um, so we moved the tent, we, excuse me, moved the, the TP out, and, and I'm realizing as I'm laying there, and, and the kids are falling asleep, and, and we're talking about, you know, God, or we're watching the, the movie, or uh, all this stuff, and I'm starting to try to try to study and, and read through different verses, I would tell you one bit of piece of advice, and that is to never lay down and have the tablet above you and try to hold it. Because the whole time, I could feel myself starting to fall asleep, but I'm like, no, I got to stay awake. I'm going to guard this door about anything that comes through this door. You know, I was telling the boys, I said, you don't have to worry. I'm going to protect you, okay? Listen, I've got whatever comes through that door, I'm going to knock out or take out, okay? Even if it's my wife, I'm going to knock her out. We're going to make sure. No, I'm just kidding. No. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to make sure. And so it's trying to study and hear the voice of God. And then really when you, again, you start listening to these boys or, or the kids start just listening to the voice of God, you start listening to their voices, it just totally changes an atmosphere of how you could think. Because you think, I'm the one, I'm, a, I'm spiritual enough, right? I'm here, you're here, kid. You don't know, I know. And I had one of those awakening moments where I was talking with Micah about a week ago about, our, um, about his birthday. And so... What we ended up, we started talking, and he said, for my birthday, I want to go to Disneyland. And I said, dude, your birthday's in like four days. Like, that ain't going to happen. And then I caught myself like, bro, you need to really dial it down a notch. You need to come back to reality for a second. Like, you know, we, we, we can't do that, homie. Like, you got you to gotta find a new dream. And I caught myself, was like, wait a minute. But Micah said, why can't I? Why can't I go to Disneyland on my birthday? And I stopped and I was like, you know what? Why can't you? That's real faith, right? That's childlike faith that we're going to go to Disneyland one day. Maybe not Saturday, but one day. And I told him it's because we got to stop shopping every day so we can save money to go to Disneyland, right? 
that I want to see. So you start listening to the voices, uh, start listening to your children's voices. Ray, Barb is in here. Barb and Ray, would you guys just wave your hands? Barb and Ray just celebrated 47 years of marriage. We honor them. I asked Ray, I said, Ray, what's your secret? I'm in year 11. Like, what's your secret? When she says jump, I just say, how high? <laughs> Good man, Ray. Good man. That's how we're going to make it to year 47. Good man. Good man. God is so good to us. This morning, I want to be able to bring a thought and some verses to you and be able to, to, be able to speak to you. Um, so a couple weeks ago, we had youth camp. It was awesome. It was amazing. We had such a great time. On the way up to youth camp, my mom, or excuse me, before youth camp, we had called my mom and I asked her to um, stay with the kids while me and Ezzy could go be counselors at youth camp. So amazing, right? I was like, we're going to be the super spiritual people. Like, we're going to get a babysitter for our kids. We're going to get a chance. It was Ezzy's actually first time ever going to youth camp. So we were so excited to be able to go. And we're like, let's, let's do this. And then we're getting ready to get in the car with all the other counselors. And Ez decides to uh, bail on me and go with Alandra in her car. So I'm by myself in, in my car. So I'm like, whatever, I'll just put on headphones and listen to music. And so I was following another individual and we happened to stop and pull over to the side of the road and to make a quick pit stop. And we get ready to take back off and the car like does this weird jerk. And I'm not a mechanic. So to me, my first instinct was like, oh no, I'm gonna die up on this mountain. <laughs> and the car won't go. It, it, you, no matter how much I floored on, to, I put the pedal to the metal, it just would not, I mean, it's barely revving up. And for all you mechanics, you probably understand, I already know what's going on. And so I'm getting halfway up the mountain, I lose cell phone service, I'm trying to honk and like flash my lights to the person in front of me, not working. Again, I'm all alone, I'm going up to this mountain, I'm gonna die. So <laughs> my worst fear kicks in. How are we gonna do this? What's gonna happen? I get finally to cell phone service and I called my amazing friend Hector, who's such an awesome mechanic and great brother. I was sitting there talking with him and he said, oh, just, you got a small translation leak, probably. He said, just go get some transmission fluid. You're perfectly fine. Don't worry about it. Just park your car. If I have to, I'll come get you. Don't worry about it. So I was like, whew, thank God, right? So this crisis averted. Get, get transmission fluid. We put it in. We come down the mountain. Car does phenomenal. I'm just like, thank you, Jesus. Crisis averted, right? Because when you're a young family, the car starts to have problems. You're like, oh, shoot, I've got to now put something into the budget. And so we get home. We have a great time. We get in the van Sunday after service. We go have lunch. I mean, God is just, has rocked our world, has rocked um, uh, kids' lives up at camp. We're just on cloud nine. You know what I mean? And I'm on cloud nine because my tribe won the tribal wars of, the, of, of, of camp 2019. So I've got the flag. I've got the trophy, right? I mean, that's my thing. I was probably the loudest counselor there. I lost my voice, um, which I'm sure all the other counselors were thankful for. My motto when I was at camp was cheat to win. If I can't win, I'm going to burn this camp to the ground. So I know that's not right, and I shouldn't tell you that, but I'm telling you, I was just being human for a few weeks or a few days up at camp. I got competitive, especially when my wife was on the opposite tribe. I can't let her win, right? I have to have bragging rights for the year. So we're on cloud nine. We go to lunch. We just had an awesome time with my mom and my, and my sister Jay and, and my brother-in-law Nick. And we get going home. We're going to come get our swimming gear, and we're going to go back to Jay's apartments. We're going to go swimming. Going to have a phenomenal day, right? Sun's shining. Sky is blue. Jesus' love just totally rocked our world on Sunday morning. We're on our way home, and the van shakes. And I was like, no, don't do this. <laughs> don't. Like, in Jesus' name, stop. And the van shook. We got ready to go. And of course, there is construction that is happening, it seems like, on every turn and street that I go on. Now, I'm not knocking our wonderful state. I love Idaho, and I love everything about it. But I did not like Idaho at that very moment. <laughs> it seemed like every street you turned on, there was new construction happening. So now we're sitting in traffic, and everything is dying in the van. Like, the lights are going dimmer, and I've got all three kids. The air conditioning won't turn on no more. It's hot. And the whole time, I'm like, you know, you're gripping the steering wheel tighter and tighter and tighter. And you're like, Jesus, just get me home. Jesus, just let me get home. Because I'm not about to get out in my church, you know, Sunday clothes best in my church shoes trying to push this van up a hill. Like, just get us home. And the kids, the whole time in the back, they're just like, 
Where are we going, and are we getting our swimming gear, and are we going back to Aunt Jay's? And the whole time, I'm like, don't talk. If we don't talk, the van's going to go faster. Don't talk. <laughs> Nobody say a word in this van, right? You just, parenting kicked in for a minute. Can I be real with you? Parenting kicked in for a minute, and, and as, thank God for my wonderful wife, she was just like, we just need to pray. We just need to pray. And you pray. You, you, you pray in this time, <laughs> right? And so Emmeline asks, a question, and as he as turns to her in the back and says, sis, we just need to pray. And there's my little five-year-old daughter just starts singing worship songs. Um, she starts praying that Jesus just touch our van. I was like, Jesus, you know, just take the wheel, take the, take the air conditioning, take the battery, whatever you got to take to make this van go, take it all, because we want to see, see a miracle happen. We make it home, and I'm so thankful. We make it home. I take the battery out, because I'm like, oh, the battery, again, I'm not a mechanic, so I'm trying my best here, okay? Please don't judge me. I'm trying my best here. I thought I could do it because I didn't want to ruin Hector's Sunday afternoon. So um, I thought I could do it. I took the battery down to AutoZone and I get it changed out. And it was so awesome. We sat there talking with the guys, had a great time. Because um, I get nervous walking into those things because I'm trying to like, yeah, you know, the thing that connects to the thing, the thingamajigger, that's what I need. And they're like, oh yeah, I know. And then they pull it up on the screen and they're just like gurus, you know? And it's just like, man, I, I, I'm not good at my job. And so... And they're amazing. So I get the battery. We change it. I go home. I change it out. We're all set. I mean, we're talking swimming clothes. I've got my T-shirt on. I've got my hat on. I've got my, my sandals on. The kids are all dressed to. We've got sunscreen on because we're going to go have a great time. And the van shakes again. This time I'm thinking I'm going to go around this other way, around Caldwell, because there's not going to be any traffic this way. And we're just going to go have a good time this way. Well, then... We get to a place, a stoplight, we stop, I go to push on the gas and it shakes again. Lights kick on, the car starts going funky. I'm just like, Jesus, get us home. Like, get us home. I'm sweating now profusely. I'm rolling down the windows. You know, the, we're losing power. And so we get home, I call my wonderful friend Hector and he, he comes over a little while later. I send Ezzy and the kids in the other car. They go swimming. We spend a couple hours, me and Hector sitting there looking. Uh, he looked at it. I'm not going to try to pretend like I, I was sitting there like holding the flashlight. You know what I mean? Like, that's my job. Okay. <laughs> like, oh yeah, you know, the thing. Yeah, that totally, I saw that earlier. Yeah. You know, so trying to talk with him and, and he said, hey, listen, I'm not going to be able to get to it for a couple days. I've got so, such and such jobs lined up. I've got some things going. Uh, if, if you're going to be okay to be without your van for a couple days. I said, I'm good. I don't know about my wife though. And it went a couple days and the whole time, you know, we're, we're, we're piling into the car and, um, and uh, like, it was like the next day. So that happened on Sunday. The next day, you know, it's just one of those things. You got it. We got a couple bills in the mail that was just like, are you serious? Like the next thing goes wrong. The next thing goes wrong. The next, it's just like all of a sudden these sequence of events started happening. And I'm sitting there with my wife at the kitchen table and I'm literally in tears. Like, I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like, we've got this going on. We've got that going on. The van broke. How are we going to fix this? How are we going to do this? You know, we're trying to figure it all out. And, you know, I'm doing the pastoral thing. I'm complaining and worrying the whole time, right? And my wife stops and says, but think about this. Think about the timing or think about God's timing. Uh, just stop. Like, Listen, lady, I'm the pastor. I know what's best, okay? I've graduated three years of VSSM. I've taken the courses. I've, taken, I've watched online. I've listened to Bill Johnson's, all his videos. I know what to have at this moment, and you're not helping. And she goes, but think about God's timing. It could have happened when she had gone to California a month before. She was all alone with the kids and the dog. They went out, and they went down to go visit uh, my parents, she said, it could have happened any time between there. Eight hours one way, eight hours back. It could have happened when my mom had the kids and we were up at camp and we would have been a couple hours away. It could have happened, and she starts like breaking this all down. She goes, but yet it happened when you were in the car and me and you were together and we were like literally down the street from our house. It could have happened when, you know, our amazing mechanic Hector could have been out fishing for the weekend. It could have happened. I mean, she starts breaking all down. All, but think about God's timing. And at that moment, I wanted to turn into Jesus at the temple and flip the table. <laughs> and just be like, no. You know, I know God's timing. You don't have to talk to me about God's timing. 
And you get convicted. I got convicted at that very moment by my wonderful, amazing wife who, who, who spoke words in, into my life at that moment. But think about God's timing. And that's the thought I want to bring to you this morning, if we think about God's timing. So many times we say, well, it's a coincidence, or it's this, or it's that, or, or I just so happened to bump into so-and-so who invited us to somewhere, or so-and-so saw us at that very moment, or something happened here. And each one of us can share the story of how the amazing, miraculous, wonderful work of God happened in our life. We've seen it happen in our own. We've come down to the last few dollars into our bank account, and we literally had no more money, and walk into a service, and somebody walk right up to us and just say, I just really felt like I needed to give you this money, and it's a $100 bill right into your hand. We've been at those places where all of a sudden it's just like, how, God, are you going to do this? And somebody calls and says, hey, I've got a few extra uh, groceries. Do you need anything for the kids? We've been at those moments, and when you start thinking about the goodness and wonderful mercy and grace of God and his timing, that it might not be mine because right now... It's hot. I don't want the air conditioning going out. I've got all three kids in the car. I don't want to roll down the window. All of them are sweating. I'm sweating. You know, you're almost to the point where all Holy Spirit has left the van at this moment. You know, but you're starting to realize that if it's all about his timing, I'm in the midst of turmoil. I'm in the midst of, of craziness, of all these things going wrong, but I've, I've, I can see his timing and what he wants to do in my life. And I hope that makes sense to you, and I, I want to bring some verses to you. But I, as I was studying for this, um, oh, okay, so it's, uh, uh, let's stop here for a second. Gracie, so last week when we were worshiping, I just really felt like Jesus wanted to say, like, you're a joy bomb, if that makes sense, that everywhere you go, like, you release this joy into people's lives and hearts that they didn't even think they could have. And when you laugh, it's almost like you break the chains of, of worry and anxiety and, and of, like anguish, almost like the people's like, I don't know how to do it, but when you laugh and you bring like a joy bomb to their life, and I wanted to tell you that. I meant to really walk over to you and not tell you publicly, but this is where we're at right now, so, okay? <laughs> so I wanted to tell you that. So Gracie, I hope, I hope that. Okay, now that that's off my chest, let's get into our notes here. So when I started studying for this sermon, I, I, I came across a study of eagles, and uh, not the Philadelphia Eagles, okay? Eagles, okay? I know we're walking into football season. Okay, here we go. So eagles. Eagles will fly close to the mountain because it will pick up on the upcurrent that happens when the wind blows from the bottom to the top of the mountain. The wind will begin to blow and the eagles will spread its wings, much like a surfer that catches the wave flying to new heights. When I read that, it hit me weird because I started thinking about his timing. Eagle's not sitting there trying to flap his wings to try to get the motion going. But all he's doing is he's catching the wind of the, of, of the wind that's been provided that's coming against the mountain or the circumstance or the problem that's happening in its life. And it's saying, I'm choosing to rise above it. I'm choosing to choose God's timing. I'm not going to sit there and try to flap my own wings or try to do my own thing. But if I can just rely on the Holy Spirit's winds of revival and what he wants to do, I know he can cause me to soar. Okay. And I hope that that, that makes sense to you because I thought about Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. In the New Living Translation, it says, uh, Isaiah 40, 31, it says, But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. Weary, they will walk and not faint. So to you and I this morning, when we trust in the timing of God, it's about that when we trust in God, we're going to find new strength. Because it's not about me and what I want. It's not about what I want to do, but it has ultimately everything about him. To be honest with you, if I can, and I'm sure we'll be a lot more honest as the night, as the day progresses. To be honest with you, I had so many like ideas and, and thoughts I wanted to bring that I was like, oh man, and I can call this sermon blah, 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 and I can start this series called blah, 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 and I can, I can you know, we can tweet about it, and we can, you know, put it on, on Facebook, and man, it's going to look so amazing. And I walked into my office, and I just stood there and stopped and said, Jesus, what do you want to say? Because it's about your timing, not mine. Because I may want it a certain way. I may think I deserve it. You don't know how much time and effort I've put into. I deserve it. And the whole time, Jesus is just sitting there waiting for us to just fully give it over to him. Wait for his timing. Because if I wait and trust on him, I'm going to find new strength. I'm going to be able to soar like that eagle and be able to come against the mountain. He's got to fly into the mountain. You've got to fly into your circumstance. But I got to face it head on and spread your wings out, spread your arms open, and just realize it's all about the timing and grace of God. And it has nothing to do with me, but it has everything to do with him. 
I, I thought about um, jump roping. Has anybody ever jump roped? Has anybody ever used a jump rope? Okay, perfect. Okay, I was going to try to do it for you this morning, but that wasn't going to work out so well. <laughs> I even saw one of the kids, but they got them from a, a cheaper end store that uh, it's just, it, it, it wouldn't have worked. And I was really afraid that I was going to fall on my face and embarrass myself in front of all you, so I decided not to do it. Um, but jump roping, learning to jump rope is not the easiest thing to do, right? You See, experts say you have to know the surface that you're going to jump on. The right rope has to be used. Even the length comes into play. Um, as you get started, the best cord to jump, you have to realize the best cord for you to jump with or even the surface for you to practice on. They start telling you when you start to, to learn how to jump rope to just stand there. I'm going to tell you because I've watched the YouTube video, so I'm an expert now, okay? Um, you're going you're gonna to stand there and you're actually going to like picture yourself jumping. And I was like, that's super simple. I can picture myself working out all the time. And... Then you sit there and what you do is they want you to, to, to lean back almost like you're falling backwards and pull the rope around you and catch it at the bottom of your feet. Now, normally, if you're like me, it would catch your shins all the time. But they want you to catch the bottom of your feet. You're starting to get this practice going. You lean back. You start to practice with your arms, the motions. You picture yourself jumping. And when you're ready to do it, you do it in small jumps. Then the biggest thing that they said to practice is your timing. Practice the timing. You have to see when that rope's coming around. You got to keep your eyes open. Um, you know, you got to make sure that there's no kids around you. You got to make sure that your wife isn't walking in on you. You got to make sure that, that, the, that the area is nice and clear. There's so many things that go into it. And then the most specific area is that you have to make sure that you're keeping an eye on the rope for the timing as it's coming around. Am I jumping high enough? Am I jumping small? Do I need to jump large? I mean, I saw guys as they were going and they're like, you know, double tapping their feet. And it's like, dude, I can barely do two feet at once. I can only imagine going the other, every other. Then they show you in jump roping that actually you can take two big ropes and like the double dutch, right? You all, we've all done it. We've all had fun with it. Um, but again, it's the same thing. And I started realizing as I was studying for this that you have to catch the timing. You've got to get your body into motion. You're sitting there watching as the ropes are going back and forth. You're kind of getting yourself bouncing a little bit because you're seeing. It's the same thing as we position ourselves to get ready for the timing and moving of the Holy Spirit. Can I just say this real fast? Um, God is doing such amazing things here at Valley Church. Amen? Not just at Valley Church, but in our whole entire valley, and I'm appreciative of it. I was able to go to a, a meeting this past week to see that this great crusade is going to be happening in Boise in, in May, and we're going to be promoting more things, and, and we're going to jump on board with that. But as we were talking about it, as I was picturing this. You're, you're, you're rocking back and forth because you know what God wants to do in your life. You know what he wants to say. You know what he wants you to do. Now you just got to sit there and catch the timing of what he, when he wants you to jump in. And when you hear that, go then you take off on it. It's the same thing as a racer, as a person that's running. They get, they get themselves into motion. The announcer comes over the, the, the speaker and says, ready, set, as they get their body into motion and they prepare themselves. It's the same thing that you and I do in our relationship with God. As we prepare ourselves, we find ourselves into the word. We get ourselves into his presence because we want to be like Isaiah when it says, when, 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 when it said that whom shall I send and who will go for us? Who can I send out? And I want to be that person like, like Isaiah that spits up his hand and says, here am I, send me. I might not be the best at it, but send me. I've been into motion. I've been watching the rope going, and I've set myself like a, like a person getting ready to run. Now let me hear that go moment that God wants to do in our lives. And every single day that we do, because you could be at the store picking up whatever, the bananas, that's normally what we're getting, so I'm just going to use an example. Getting bananas for your shakes that you do at the house, and then you could hear that go moment where you turn and, and God says, I want you to speak to that person next to you. But you don't understand. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I, 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 don't, I don't do that. I, mm, I'm just here to get my groceries and go home. That is what I do. But Jesus says, no, I, I, I've got timing for you. I've got a specific purpose for you. You see, because we say, oh, well, we'll let Pastor Lynn do it, right? We'll let Pastor Rich do it, or, or we'll let somebody else who's spiritual, more spiritual than me do it. But yet the whole time God's saying, I'm not looking for, for, for all of that. What I'm looking for is somebody to be open and willing to be able to be used. Because ultimately, us as ministers, we can't be where you go at all times. You get to be Jesus at that grocery store. 
You get to be Jesus at that, at that uh, uh, gas pump and be able to pay for someone's gas. You get to be Jesus by just stopping and, and, and giving a smile to somebody. It changes people's day. But if you can take the time to hear the timing of God, hear the timing and the move of the Holy Spirit in your life, it's just simply stopping and, and waiting because it's the new strength that's coming. A couple different stories. We're going to give snapshots this morning. It's, I'm, I wish I could give you the whole, all the stories. Again, we could go verse by verse throughout the whole Bible and find all these, different, do the, all these different stories of how the timing of God. But I'm going to give you a quick snapshot here. John 6, 1 through 15. It's, I'm not going to read it to you. I'm just telling you. Jesus tells the story that, or excuse me, um, it tells the story that Jesus is teaching a large crowd. And the crowd is coming, it's coming up on lunchtime. Here are the people that had taken time to follow Jesus. They were following the miracles. They saw the signs. They saw the, the, the wonders. They saw everything. And now they're following after this man, Jesus Christ. Um, one of the translations says, Jesus turns to Philip and asks him, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? They're talking about 5,000 men. That, they had just counted the men, they, but they counted over 5,000 just men. I'm sure there was a bunch more that were there that were hungry. And they're trying to figure out how are we going to feed all these people? Jesus turns to Philip, one of his disciples, and asks, how can we buy, um, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? But Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus already knew what he was going to do before he even asked the question. You see, whenever, it's, it's interesting to note that Jesus already knows what he wants to do in your life before you even have a clue about it. It's about us coming in, into relationship, into alignment with him. Because I may be out here again, what I want, what I see, what I know, what I'm going to do, what I, 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 and yet Jesus already knows what he wants to do in your life. All he's waiting for you to do is just come right back into alignment with him. And it's not difficult or hard. It's just simply saying, I've got to put my own ego aside. I might not be able to have all the greatest things, but I know that ultimately I'm going to always be provided for. You see, at the same time that I'm sitting there arguing and complaining and not trusting and not having faith in God is the same time my wife just speaks over us and says, but have you ever thought that there's always been enough? It might look crazy right now, but don't you know that there's always been enough? And I'm sitting there like, again, like, lady, calm down. <laughs> she goes, but don't you know God's always provided enough? Don't you know he's always enough? He's always been enough for us? So where are we to start complaining at this very moment? Who are we to start saying, well, God can't provide when he has always provided? It's just seeing his timing. Are you catching on? Okay. Uh, Philip replies and says, we would have to work for months to be able to supply enough for the crowd. He's thinking on his own human, his human timing. You don't understand, Jesus, how are we going to feed these 5,000 men plus women plus children? How are we going to feed these crowds? It's going to take us months, months, months to work. Andrew speaks up, the, the brother of Jesus, he speaks up and says, all right, Jesus, excuse me, a Peter. Um, Andrew, the brother of Peter, speaks up and says, there is a young boy who has five loaves of breads and two fishes. My mind would be, what good is that going to do in a crowd full of people? It's five loaves, two fishes. We would have to work for months. My timing says I would have to be constantly working, constantly going. I would have to run myself ragged. I would have to run on no sleep, which I did pretty much for the weekend, and I had an energy drink, so I'm sorry for that, and forgive me. But uh, my wife bought it. Does that help out? Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so, so. But I'd have to constantly be working. I'd have to be seen through my own human eyes of the timing that I want it to happen. Every time I hired a new person on my staff, my first question always were, where do you see yourself in a month? Where do you see yourself in a year? Where do you see yourself in three years? Where do you see yourself in five years? Tell me about it. What, what's going on? I had a lot of them said, this is it. That's perfectly fine. Okay. And a lot of them said, I'm, I'm, this is the thing to take me to the next thing. No harm, no foul. I want to get you to the next thing. Because if you can be, if I can be a, a helping block to you, if I can be a stepping stone to you and not a stumbling block, I want to see you to be your full potential. 
Um, and I told every staff member that, that I want to see you grow in who you are. Now, again, it was more of the secular world, so I want to see you grow into who you are. But if we were at church, I'd have been like, listen, I know the identity that God's got for you, and I want you to come into full existence. Oh, thank you, Susie. That was awesome, actually talking about identity. That, you know, we want to see your full identity, full potential come into Christ. And are we being those stepping stones to how God really wants to be? Being the timing has everything to do with it. Um... Have we ever been to where we're following after and looking after Jesus, seeing all the miracles, seeing all the wonders, um, having all the right t- uh, feelings? And now when the rubbers met the road, we began to question. We began to think, how can God do something so big or something so great that we miss even noticing that we're walking with God manifested in the flesh? We're so focused after the blessings that we forget about the actual blesser. We're so focused on what he can give us rather than what he can actually do for us, uh, uh, rather than what we can actually see him work, how we can, how, what we can even do for him, not about what he can always give to us, not about take, take, take mentality, but I want to give back into the kingdom. I want to give back to him what he's already given to me. That's why giving and offering and tithings, and this isn't, I'm not trying to beat it down anybody's head or stuff it down anybody's throat, I'm not saying that, because we do it joyfully and cheerfully when we give back to God. But it's the same thing, realizing that he's already given us so much, all he's asking for is a few percentage back. When he's already done so much for us, all he's asking for is for you to just listen one little time and be able to speak. I did it the other day. I I have to tell you, I got to pat myself in the back. Is that okay? Okay. So I was at Walmart. Man, it seems like every story revolves around Walmart. Um, I was at Walmart and outside there's these vending machines and I was getting, I had a bunch of quarters and I was getting myself and my kids some soda. Don't judge. We were just getting uh, root beer, which I know is still not the best, but it was hot. I wanted the kids to have something great, and uh, Emily loves root beer. So we're getting root beer. I'm getting root beer because I'm there by myself. And I have a stack full of quarters, and I'm you know, putting them in, getting the next soda, get, putting them in, getting the next soda, which would have been cheaper just to walk into the store and get the actual you know, large thing, but whatever. So, um, so I'm getting them, and there's a person sitting behind me playing on their phone, playing a game, look like an older gentleman. Um, I don't know his story. I don't know where he came from. I've never even seen him before. And we've lived at this um, house and been to this Walmart for the last three years or four years, however long it's been there. And I've never seen him before. And I just heard, I came down to my last two quarters and it was like getting one more soda. And all of a sudden I heard Holy Spirit say, will you just give him the extra 50 cents? Like, but I'm thirsty. <laughs> um, I'm standing at the vending machine, like having this conversation with God, like I'm but it's hot, and I wanted a soda, and I was willing, oh, man, fine. So I turn around, and I said, hey, man, listen, I hope you're having a great night. It's hot out here, yeah? And he's like, yeah, man, you know, we start kind of talking a little bit, and I said, hey, just, I just wanted you to know, like, Jesus loves you, and here's 50 cents. Buy yourself a soda, man. And he's like, I mean, eyes just huge, right? It just thank you. And I was like, you're welcome. And just walked off. Now I know I should have probably stopped and said, is there any physical pain in your body? Do we want to pray for you? Can I, can I, can I invite you to church? I mean, I know I should have probably done more of the Christian thing, but I was just like, you know what? Just being Christ-like in that moment, hearing his voice and yeah, okay, I argued and I'm sorry for that. But knowing that what he wants to do in people's lives, I have the opportunity to be Christ-like and change someone's life around me. Now it could be our server. They could be having a bad day and all it takes is you saying, hey, I just hope you're having a good day. Hey, here's a tip for you. You know, I just want you to know. Or, or whoever it may be as you're walking along in the store and, you know, and, and we've been there where we're at Walmart, just me and Ezra, I'm by myself, and I see a parent going along and they're doing the parenting thing by kind of holding onto their kid's hand a little tighter, dragging them past the toy section as they're screaming and kicking and they're trying to figure out and you know, they're trying to, and sometimes if it's a dad, I'll just walk past and be like, hey man, hats off to your brother, just keep going do it. I'm right there with you. I've got three at home. Keep going, man. Rock it, you know? Um, But just being, uh, listening to God's timing and how he wants to do. Jesus being fully man and fully God, you see, the young boy had been prepared and prepped for this very moment. Did he understand that when he got ready for the day? Even a step further, did mom understand that when she was preparing the boy's lunch? That was my question, because as a parent, did did mom understand as she's putting the sandwich together that this is going to feed 5,000 people? Isn't that amazing? If as us as parents or even grandparents or uncles, aunts, as the full body of Christ, we just got done talking about our kids, but if you look at your children or we look at our kids and say one day these kids are gonna feed 5,000 people, 
one day our kids are going to stand on mountains and they're going to proclaim the name of Jesus. I still proclaim it over Micah from the moment he was born. I, the first thing, as soon as I got him into my arms, and or actually, no, because uh, the way he was born through a C-section, we, we, we had to lay him on this, on this table. And um, I asked if I could touch him, and the doctor said yes. So I grabbed his hand, and the first thing I wanted him to hear was, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and he's going to love the Lord his God all the days of his life. That was the first thing over every kid as soon as I got the chance to touch them because um, after they get the gooey stuff all over them and, and all that stuff. And anyways, besides point, <laughs> the first thing I wanted to do was be able to pray for them. I know, right? We got to stay on point here. I'm sorry. We're trying to go. But did the mom realize as she was preparing the lunch that she's preparing a miracle? We were at a church service and uh, the, uh, one of the youth uh, kids that we were youth pastoring at the time came up and asked if they could hold Micah. And we said, sure, he's just a little guy. I mean, you know, he's still barely like holding this way without his head kind of falling. And he takes him up front and I'm like, oh man, people are worshiping. And you know, as a parent, I, ah, that's kind of a lot. And the preaching got started and I was like, oh man, like he should really bring him back to us. But the, the kids that kept holding Micah, Micah wasn't crying. So as a parent, I was like, whew, break time, you know? Um, and the, the, past, the, the preacher comes down, he puts his hand on Micah and starts prophesying over Micah that he's going to be a prophet of God. He's not going to be a prophet of Baal. He's going to see the miracle signs and wonders that only come from a true relationship with Jesus. Now, does he always act like that? No. Does he always do it? No. But am I still believing it because I know the timing of God is not my timing? Yes. Because as a parent, I see that God is going to do something great in his life, and it's not because of something I'm doing, but because, because of his relationship with God, that I want to keep uh, flour- him flourishing, keep uh, being a greenhouse, that it can grow. Because did, Ma- did that mom understand as she's putting the sandwich together? Now, maybe she sent them by himself, or maybe she was with them. I, the Bible doesn't say. But I can only imagine as mom and dad are getting the day started, they're talking with their son about being available to hear the very voice of God. Because when that moment comes, and the time happens, and you hear that go moment, are you going to listen to what God has to say? Just a little boy. The disciples know better, right? The, just a little boy. Um, that he's be able to give over something that's maybe so small to us, but was significant to him. Because he could understand the timing of God and what he wants to do. Jesus then takes, and I'm sure it was so magnificent. I can't wait to get to heaven and ask that little boy, like, what did Jesus say to you? Like, I want to know because I try to take, I mean, there's nothing faster, right, than a two-year-old kid when you're like, hey, what do you got? And they're like, poof, and they take off running on you. And you're chasing them because there's something in their mouth or there's, they're running with something sharp. And you're like, what in the world, right? Okay, or am I the only one that ever, that's ever happened to? <laughs> Our two-year-old seems to find himself on every counter imaginable and pull off everything sharp imaginable on that thing. So I want to know what was he saying because I believe that Jesus was such a gentleman that he got on one knee, I'm sure, and began to talk with that child, began to say like you and I. He's never going to sit there and say, this is mine, give it to me, my toy. But he's going to say, hey, you know what? I've got something bigger for you. I've got something better for you because if I can exchange your timing your ego for me, for my timing, and what I want to do, you're going to see it in a whole new light. I, like I said, the, the van was breaking down, the chaos and turmoil is going all crazy around us, but it just took one lady, one little lady sitting across the table from me saying, listen, have you ever thought about the grace and timing of God in our life? Have you ever thought about the timing of God in your life? See, uh, Habakkuk 2.3 says it like this, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will, now, uh, and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. If we can wait on the timing of God and what he wants to do, it has everything to do with it. I'm sure the boy was not looking for his own timing or wanting to be of his own horn being uh, uh, sounded but he was wanting just to be in the right place at the right time. To be able to hear the voice of God saying that I need something, saying that I want to do something in somebody's life. Are you willing to be that vessel? Are you willing to be 
Christ-like at that very moment and say, I'll give it all to you because I know what you're going to give back to me is going to be even more. The Bible says that the, at the end of that miracle, there was so much leftovers that it filled 12 baskets. All it was is started with a sack lunch. And with my own timing and my own preparation, nothing would have happened unless I had given it over to God and allowed his timing to be the actual multiplication to bring it to fulfillment of what he wanted to do in those people's lives and what he wants to do in your life today. Because the Bible says it will surely take place and it will not delay. I love that Susie said, and I was going to say along the same lines, is that there's been plenty of times that I've gotten a word and I've waited forever. I thought that you said I was going to be prosperous, so I thought tomorrow I was going to get the winning lottery ticket. And I'm just saying that. I'm not saying to play the lottery, please. I'm just saying, got, got the winning lottery. Or somebody would have just called me and said, I'm going to give you a million bucks, you know. Uh, I thought that if I gave today, if I did it right, if I sowed right now and I threw the seed down right now, tomorrow there would be a lush forest. But that's not the way his timing works. Because it might take us a few days. It might take a few years. It might take a lot of time. But I do know this, that it says that it will surely take place and it will not be delayed. Because what he says he's going to do, he always fulfills it. See, 1 Peter 5, 6 says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. But I'm not feeling that lifted up moment right now. I know, I've been there. But you don't understand what I'm going through and you don't understand the trial. You don't understand I, I, I've got all these things going on. I think it needs to be like this. Dude, I have been there, or excuse me, people, I have been there every single day. Even just last week, I'm, I'm telling Pastor Lynn, I feel like I should be farther along. I feel like I should be, we should, I should be doing this or we should be doing that. I feel like, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like. And Pastor Lynn just did his Pastor Lynn thing and he crossed his hands. I think he even put his feet up on his desk and just said, we're measuring success wrong. And he began to just give some counsel, some wisdom. And I really thought, you know, it would be like the mighty hand and come down and you should be thinking better. But instead, Pastor Lynn did the whole Jesus thing and was just like, I'm gonna tell you about it with love. And I walked out of there, it was just like, in the right time, God will always do what he said he's going to do. My job as a parent is to continue to pray, continue to, to, to cultivate the, the culture that I want my kids to grow up in. I can't make them turn a certain way or, or, or do a certain thing, because don't get me wrong, I would love to have them act a certain way. But I know that it's about God's timing and not mine. All I can continue to do is speak into their life and the people around me. I gotta tell you this story, Lazarus. Lazarus we see was sick. His two sisters send word to Jesus that their brother is sick. Jesus almost seems like, I'm giving a paraphrased version because we're coming up on time, paraphrased version that almost seems like Jesus kind of like throws it to the, to the side, like what? Okay, and? And continues ministering, continues doing what he's doing. But don't you know Jesus that your friend is dying? The New Living Translation says, Jesus said that Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. This morning, that's your word. Your sickness, the problem, the thing going on is not going to kill you. I know that seems rough right now because don't you understand I'm not sleeping at night? Don't you know I'm in turmoil? Don't you know, uh, again, the van's broken down? Don't you know there's no air conditioning and it's hot outside? Don't you understand what I'm going through? I do, but I've come to tell you the word of God says this sickness is not going to kill you. Jesus said it. He said the sickness, Lazarus, is not gonna be your end. Jesus tells his disciples we're going back to Judea where they tried to stone him not that much earlier. Jesus tells them that there's certain times that we're going to travel during the day. We're not going to be out after dark because it, it made sense that he says, I'm, going to I'm willing to risk everything, dangerous situations to get to Lazarus because I know that he's already passed on. I know that, that, that they, they sent word and said, but he's in turmoil and distress and he's laying down, he's the sickness. But Jesus says, I'm willing to lay everything else aside so I can see my friend Lazarus. The Bible even goes on as far as to say, as our friend, Jesus says to his disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go wake him up. The disciples believe that Lazarus is sleeping. Again, seeing it through my time, through my eyes. Well, you said he's sleeping, so let him sleep. 
Like, it's, you know, he's, he's got the man cold. Let him, let him be, you know. Jesus finally speaks up and says, he's not sleeping, he's dead. Like, dead, dead? <laughs> dead, like D-E-D, like he is dead. But we're going to go, we're going to go raise him up. We're going to cross through, you know, turmoil. We're going to, we're going to go through where people tried to stone us. And the Bible says that the, that doubting Thomas, who wasn't doubting at that moment said, let's go. I'm going to die with Jesus. Like at that moment, he heard the go moment. He saw the timing of what God wanted to do. He saw that there needed to be a miracle needed to happen. And he, Thomas was willing to lay it all aside and say, let's go, let's go die with Jesus. They thought they were going to die. And Thomas said, I'm right there along with it. Jesus shows up. Lazarus has been dead for four days. Now, three days would have been okay. But the Bible says for four days. You see, because they said that at day three, there was maybe a chance that these people were just hard sleepers and they were just going to get back up again. But day four in the tradition meant that they're dead. Like, they're gone. So Jesus shows up right at the end when it was like the least amount, right when we thought that all hell had broken loose, right when we thought that Jesus, where are you? Right when we thought we had lay aside that promise, we thought the promise was dead. We thought our, our children were too far to be saved. We thought our grandchildren were too far to be saved. We thought my business was going under. We thought that uh, the bills just would never stop. At day four, when everything was just going wrong, Jesus showed up on the scene. When, he, when he, Jesus shows up, Martha meets Jesus coming out and greets him. And she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not be dead. If you had been here, my brother would not be dead. Don't you understand, Jesus, my timing and what I wanted to do? But instead, you were slow walking because you were just taking your time. And it's interesting because then she starts off, but, or she ends the... the the, the greeting with, but I know God will give you whatever you ask. Almost like that, that man with, the, with his son that takes him to Jesus. And Jesus says, don't you know that your son's going to be healed? He says, oh, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help me see your timing and not my own. Here, Martha says, don't, don't you understand? My timing says you should have been here, Jesus. You should have showed up a day ago. But now that you're here on day four, he's dead. Thanks a lot. But then faith kicks in and she says, but I know God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus replies, your brother will raise again. After Jesus breaks it all down for Martha, Martha runs to tell Mary. Or Jesus breaks it down and says, I'm the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you're never going to die. Jesus starts laying down some truth bombs and saying, hey, listen, I'm the resurrection and life. I say it's my timing. I get to say this. I get to give that go. Nobody else. Martha tells Mary, Jesus wants to meet her. So she immediately went up to meet him. When the people who had been, the Bible says, when the people had been mourning with her, saw that she was in a hurry, they thought she was on her way to the grave and followed her. Isn't that crazy that people that are constantly around you trying to bring you down, trying to say things about you, and you get up and you're trying to move or you're trying to hear that timing of God or trying to go, that the naysayers are going to kind of follow along with you? They're going to follow you. They're going to try to tell you, you don't, no, that's not you. Don't, no, no, don't do, do that. You don't, you, you know better. Stay quiet. You, no, don't, don't try to make yourself better. Don't you understand? You don't have a good, you don't have a good business plan put together. Don't you understand? You can't do that. I mean, isn't that how it always happens? And that the people follow, they followed her. But then she does the crazy thing is she takes them to Jesus. And she's, the Bible says she met Jesus. Let me find it here for you. She said, Lord, if you had, she comes up and now says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But one thing that I think that she did do correct is that she drug everything, the naysayers, the, the problems, the voices, the, the, the worry, the anxiety, the pain, the heartache. She drug it all to Jesus with her because that's what ultimately you and I have to do is we got to take it to Jesus. Say, don't you understand? I, I, my heart is broken right now. Don't you know that I'm going through this? Don't you know my marriage is hurting? Don't you know that, that my kids, don't, 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 don't you know, don't you understand Jesus? We have to drag yesterday's hurts and fears because right now it's causing us to see through the lens of our own timing. Jesus finally gets upset and says, where is he? Where's the body? 
He gets upset and people say, oh, his body is over here. He asks the question, where's your promise that you were given so long ago? Well, Jesus, I put it to the back burner because I don't quite believe that or I don't quite see that or I don't quite think right now is this timing. That's not in my one, three, five year plan. That's, and Jesus got upset and it actually says that Jesus wept. How many times have you and I given up, given in, thrown in the towel because I saw it through my timing. I saw it through my hurt. I saw it through my pain. I saw it through what I was going through. And I couldn't actually see through the actual lens of how God wanted to, to see it. You see, because we saw, we read it earlier that Jesus knows the answer before he even gives the question. He's trying to get us to wait on his timing. As he begins to cry, the crowd, the crowd around him begins to make fun of even Jesus saying, where was this man when they could, he could have healed Lazarus? He was out healing other people. Why couldn't he healed this person? Why couldn't he have resurrected this promise? Why couldn't he have healed my body? Why couldn't everybody else is getting it? Why ain't I getting it? I don't understand. How come, how come, excuse me, and we start, and it starts to kind of make us question this moment where Jesus really wants to show up. Jesus gets upset and he tells the people, roll the stone away. He tells the worry, the anxiety, the naysayers, you're going to roll the stone away. You thought it wasn't going to be possible. You're going to see the miracle. Roll the stone away. I'm sure he got upset like wanting to flip a table at that very moment. Roll the stone away. You and I have got to roll that stone away. Because I may have put it in front of my miracle because I understood my timing isn't quite there yet. But God's saying I've come to release new things into your life. I've come to re release new, new, new life into you, new miracles, new blessings, new prosperity, but it's going to take you and I to roll that stone away and say, it's no longer, no longer I, but him who lives in me. So we roll that stone away and Martha stops and says, he stinks. Don't do it. The smell is going to overtake us. You know what I mean? It's, it's been laundry that's been sitting there for weeks on end. Like you don't want to open the door to it. And Jesus is still sitting there saying, roll the stone away. Because no matter how much you're not, you and I, we think our lives stink. God's saying, no, I see the true miracle in their life. I see who they're really going to become. I know what they're going to do. I'm going to see them feed the 5,000. I'm going to use them. And I don't care about the stench that they bring to the table. I don't care about the muck, the mire, the, the disgustingness that we may think that our own life is and that I'm unworthy. But no, Jesus says, bring it all because roll off the stone. It's all about his timing and not mine. So John 11, uh, 41 through 44, I gotta end here. John 11, 41 through 44, it says, so they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I say it out loud for the sake of those people standing, around, uh, standing here so that they may believe you sent me. I'm saying it out loud because Jesus, I know you are, God, I always, I, Father, I know you always hear what's going on up here. I know you always hear me, but I'm going to speak it out. I'm going to speak it out loud because I want everybody to know that there is a good God. I want everybody to know that I'm not staying in this, in this dirtiness. I want everybody to know I'm not going to stay where I think I should or where the naysayers said I should be or the worry and anxiety is trying to keep me down. I'm not going to stay there anymore. I'm going to rise above and catch the wind of your spirit, of your Holy Spirit, and be able to know that I am a child of the Most High living God. See, because then Jesus shouted, Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. To you and I this morning, he's saying, son of child of God, come out. The stones have been rolled away. It's about you and I coming out and coming to the full potential of who God says I am. Because it's about his timing and not mine. Would you stand with me? There's so many more snapshots we could go through. So many more verses we could. I think, Linda, I think I've got, I, you still have like half of the things I gave you. But he says, Lazarus, come out. And it says, the dead man came out. The dead man came out. Prayer team, if you would make your way on up here to the front. Dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in, he in head cloth. Jesus said to them, told them, Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. 
those things that may be tying you up, you might not be able to move, you might not be able to see, but Jesus this morning is saying it's going to unwrap. It's going to unwrap. It's going to unwrap. I don't know how and I don't know when, but maybe those things that are coming against you, Jesus is going to use it as a vehicle to be able to move you into the next dimension that he wants to take you in, to the next level that he's got for you. That it might not be, it's going to seem like a stumbling block, but what it actually is is a stepping stone. Because when I can see through the eyes of Jesus, I see his timing and not mine. Man, there was, we were going to talk about Simon. Or we were going to talk about Peter. We were going to talk about blind Bartimaeus. <laughs> I guess we'll have to do it another day. So I end with this. You may be saying, but I don't understand. It's, it's, not, it's not my time yet. I don't, I've been wanting to come to God. I've been wanting to rededicate my life to him. I've been wanting to give everything over to him. And then if 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 2 says it like this. Now, since we are God's co-workers, we beg you not to take God's marvelous grace for granted, allowing it, allowing it to have no effect in your lives. For he says, I have listened to you at the time of my favor, and the day when you needed salvation, I came to your aid. So, can't you see, now is the time to respond to his favor. Now is the day of salvation. To you and I this morning, I just tell you, it's all got to be about his time and not mine. Because God's timing is everything. God's timing is everything. I might not see it right now, but I know his timing is everything. I might not feel that hope, that, 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 that power lift. I might not feel that breeze yet, but I know if I can spread my wings and fly at the mountain, that he says he's go, that he's going to lift me up to new heights. And I'm going to look at that mountain that I thought was like Mount Everest. And I'm going to look down and I'm going to see it as an anthill. And I'm going to know that it was God that brought me through and brought me out. That it was God who ultimately gave the increase. All I had to do was plant the seed. Because it's not my timing, but it's his. This week, as you go throughout your day, be on the lookout for God encounters. That you can be able to see God's timing in your life. If I could give you a challenge or any homework... Uh, I did it for our young marriage class, our young families class, to do something different for their spouse or their family for the week. Um, I've already been getting good reports that they've already been doing it. And I'm like, man, as a teacher, I got, I'm behind. Um, but that would be my challenge to you is see God's timing in it. Know his timing. Again, you're sitting there watching the rope as, as, as it's going around and you're feeling the wind on your face and know that it's God's timing and it's not mine. It's his strength and not mine. It's his power and not mine. Because if I try to do it, everything falls apart. But I know when he does it, the stone gets rolled away. And the dead promise or the dead, the dead prophecy or, 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 or the life that I thought I, I was supposed to have that I tried to put away or it has been dead for so long now comes to life. The business that, that had been dropped into your mind a long time ago that you maybe put aside and said, ah, I can't do that, that's not me. Jesus is here to resurrect it this morning because he wants to see you prosper. He wants to see you grow because it's not just about me, but the community around us as we see our community grow, as we see our community prosper, as we see not just Caldwell, but the Treasure Valley be uh, broken forth into tremendous revival of the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, I want to be on that wave. I want to be on that wave. So this morning, we pray, Jesus, that we thank you for your timing and not mine. We pray for every single person in this house. I thank you that for the awesome opportunity that I have had, I am tremendously blessed to be able to lead such mighty warriors of God. And I am saying, Jesus, that you would touch my mind and my heart, that I could see your timing, and that those around us, for my family and for those families around us, as we move forward in what you're doing in our lives, as we move forward in the kingdom, we are not taking a step back. We are not going in reverse because you didn't create us with reverse. You created us to move forward in you. And so we do these things in you and through you and all about you, Jesus. And we're saying just this morning, if I've got to rededicate my life to God, I give it back to you. 
If it's my first time here, I'm giving my life to you. I, we, we have people up here to the front that would love to pray with you. If you're rededicating your life or giving your life to Christ to the first time, I just say, welcome home, welcome home, welcome home. So Jesus, be with us as we go. Let your face always be with, uh, shining on us. Let your presence and your power ever be present in each and every one of our lives. Let this word just grow into our hearts that we could see the timing of God, not my own, but your timing. We could see the goodness and mercy of God that you bring because we ultimately want to be more like you and we want to be just sitting on your lap and hearing your heartbeat hearing what you want to say to each and every one of us today. So we thank you for it. We thank you for it. We, we thank you for it. And to everything that you did today, we say yes and amen. We seal it right now with yes and amen.